reached the top and had to stop and that's what's bothering me. I want to be a We've got a friend in you. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Kyle. My favorite thing about Mouse Madness, it's been fun talking about all this Disney stuff, but my favorite part is meeting so many new people uh-huh. and, and reconnecting with some people that I haven't connected with in a long time and like just getting together and talking about Disney and just, just sharing friendship together. Yeah. And it's what's so great about these these recording sessions is that it's also an opportunity for us to catch up with these people, meet these people. And if you've ever been on the side of things, you know that there's a lot of banter that we don't include in the episodes because we're just ca- catching up. We're just chatting. We're making jokes with each other. And that's why it's so great that we can now see this bracket of all of them. And tonight we are going to be talking about the best Mouse Madness guest host. We are bracketing all you up, uh, the significant others, the couple that came on as one, all of our friends, Powerhouse Tess, you're in there. Michael with Babe Grogu. We got everybody coming in right now and we're going to break it down to figure out which one of you has been the best guest host. But you know we wouldn't actually do that to you. And if you know what this date is, it is April Fool's Day. It is April 1st. That is not what we're going to do. We would never bracket you guys up. We would never rank our friends like that. So we're going to do something a little different actually this time, Chris. We are going to be talking about something that... uh. It's a little oddball. Yeah, ranking humans is is kind of whack to me. Um, <laughs> but we're going to go ahead and rank some humans anyway, because this is a bracket that we have talked about for a while. It is actually Best Disney Bob. <laughs> I don't know wh- how we got here. We just throughout all of our discussions, we always end up stumbling upon people named Bob. Yeah. And we're like, I don't think we could do a whole episode on this. So let's throw it in April Fools. And uh, if you want to go ahead and tune out right now, oop, you got got, whatever, <laughs> turn it off. We're going to talk about some Disney Bobs, people inside the Disney universe, the Disney company named Bob. Yeah. So uh, enjoy. Yeah. Best Disney Bobs. And for some reason, you're right. There are a ton of them. They're like enough for us to do at least one one coast of a bracket. And I think that's just hilarious. So yeah, April Fool's Day is the perfect day to talk some Disney bobs. And we're going to do just that. Hey, this is a unique episode of Mouse Madness, but we still got to stick with some of our primary format points of discussion. We got to talk about a spoonful of sugar because even though this is a short episode, we got we got to pass the time somehow. So Kyle, what are you sipping on here? classic this is this is a midweek recording for us we usually try and hit the weekends but we're midweek so i'm going to be sipping on a staple in my beer repertoire i am drinking a racer 5 ipa um localish brewery here in northern california uh, this is a beer that tends to be on tap at just about every single bar you would ever go to when bars were allowing more than 10 people in it and so uh yeah i'm i'm drinking it World's starting to open up a little bit. Vaccines are rolling out. I'm looking forward to having one of these at my local bar very, very soon. Chris, what have you got? Well, um, 
we're talking about best bobs, so we got some alliteration going on. So I went ahead and, and picked something from Bronx Brewery. There you go. It's a City Island Sour IPA. Drank it on the podcast before. It's great. <laughs> Tastes like sour Altoids, and uh, it's <laughs> yeah. lovely. Yeah, we mentioned that, um, you know, this is kind of like a half idea we've had for a while. <laughs> Wanted to put it out into the podcast universe somehow, so we went ahead and did the thing. Only thing we did different, we did not survey any particular demographic for these bobs. We did not ask any help in seeding. We just kind of threw eight bobs together and bracketed them ourselves. We're not going to have any special tiebreaker co-hosts. We're just going to debate our way just like the OG first bracket until <laughs> we can come to a, an agreement on something. Um, as, as, as far as like bobs who miss the dance... Uh, <laughs> I mean, some of these bobs are a stretch. Like some of these ones are, they're Roberts, you know, like there are are a lot of Roberts and Robbies in in the Mm -hmm. Disney universe. You've got uh, Robbie from the Goofy movies. He's like the stoner bud voiced by Pauly Shore. You've also got like Robin Hood. Yeah. You can call him him Bob Hood, technically. Bob Hood. (laughs) And then you've got like Boba Fett. Yeah, Bob, Bob Fett, you know. Yeah, yeah, some stretches, but as as you brought up, we were in control this time. This is not the demographics. We got to make this bracket however we wanted to for the first time ever, and so we did just that. And uh, so, Chris, let's go ahead and announce the Elite Eight, because we did not want to do 16 bops. <laughs> the Elite <laughs> Eight matchups for this best Disney Bob bracket. Cue that dramatic music. Here we go. Coming in at number one, he's a Bob with a book. It's Bob Iger. Coming in at the number two seed, probably zooming in on wheels, is Bob Gurr, Walt Disney Imagineering superstar. This Bob will get stuck in your head all day. He's one half of the Sherman brothers. It's Bob Sherman. Fighting his way into the number four seed is Bob Parr from The Incredibles. We'll definitely need a sip a spoonful of sugar to help this Bob go down. It's number five, Bob Stevenson, director of Disney live action films such as Mary Poppins. Sorry, we had to explain that one a little (laughs) bit because I don't know a lot of people know Bob Robert Stevenson. Probably not. Probably not. Opening and closing parks around the world is our number six seed. It is Bob Chapek, the CEO of the Disney company. God bless him. Coming in at number seven from A Christmas Carol, it's Bob Cratchit. And rounding out this field of eight, it's the man with the plan for all of your park's needs. It is Bob Weiss president of Walt Disney Imagineering. I'm I'm so stoked that Bob Cratchit is on a <laughs> Mouse Madness bracket because I don't think he would have made any other one. No, I mean, we may have briefly talked about him during our holiday episodes, but not enough to warrant him having his own spot here on the MoMad podcast. So this is fun. This is going to be absolutely ridiculous. Um. I don't even want to waste anybody's time more than we already have with this joke of a of a episode. So, Chris, let's hop into it. It is the number one 
seed, Bob Iger versus number eight, Bob Weiss. This is the creative minds matchup right here. It's a two powerhouse of creatives. Uh, we talked a lot about Bob Iger in the best thing of the 2020s, of 2020 maybe? twenty. I think the 2010s. We uh, talked a lot about him because uh, we talked about Marvel and Star Wars acquisitions. Okay. Yep. Uh, when looking back on the last decade. Correct. Yep. So we talked a lot about him. Uh, I remember like even pulling quotes from his memoir. So we, we've been there, done that. He is seen as somebody that helped bring the Disney company back into relevancy after the Eisner era was falling through the cracks, really. Um, there was a little bit of a hostile transition between him and Eisner, uh, but he came in and he set some goals, as I brought up in that best thing of the 2010s, and he accomplished all of them. I mean, he he acquired the best talent by acquiring some of the best companies in the world. Uh, he was expanding theme parks both uh, here in the U.S. and internationally. Uh, and he was only going to have this company produce the best work that they absolutely could. And that brought Disney back to what it is now, right? Like the reason why we have this podcast, the reason why there are a million podcasts, the reason why D23 is, has a huge fan club following is because Bob Iger reinvested quality into the Disney company as opposed to just whatever they can make, which is what felt like the end of the Eisner era was. Bob Weiss, on the other hand, I mean, my dude is not only president, but president of creative and new experience development. So like my guy has been churning out things along with the development of Shanghai Disney Resort, uh, which is like huge, right? You think about what you can do as an Imagineer that is like the biggest, grandest thing. It's opening an entire theme park. And he was able to lead the way for Shanghai, which we haven't gotten a ton of time to explore. It opened in 2016. It's been closed and opened and closed throughout this pandemic. Um, I would love to get out there. That castle, it looks massive. <laughs> but he also was, uh, he oversaw the concept for Disney Hollywood Studios, Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, uh, Tokyo Disney Sea conceptual design, which is an incredible park. Uh, and work on the first international theme park, which was Tokyo Disneyland. So this guy literally has, in those same years as Bob Iger, has revitalized the theme parks uh, and led the way to great experiences across the world. Uh, so in this matchup, Chris, I'm going to have to go with the head honcho, though. The guy who, <laughs> who, who empowered the Bob Weisses of the world to take that extra step, to open up new parks. That is our guy, Bobby Ag. He's moving on for me. Yeah, I, I think Bob Weiss is one of those names that maybe doesn't get as much love as the the perhaps the more colorful Imagineers, like your Joe Rodies and your Tony Baxters and your Scalars and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, you mentioned quality when talking about Iger, and, and I think of quality when we're talking about Weiss, mm. where he was, he, he directly stated that that was what he took from his time working on Tokyo Disney, was that uh, the Oriental Land Company was very, very concentrated on the quality of the experience that they were trying to create. And so 
that's what he brought in every project after that. He left the Walt Disney Company for like 20 years. Right. Uh, and then and then he came back in 2008. And never looked back. <laughs> yeah, well, one of his assignments was DCA 2.0. Like, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> it was like, we created this thing that's not very good. Bob Wise, help us make it good again. Um, and he oversaw the Buena Vista Street redesign. Um, and he said, you know, oh, I was really impressed with the quality of a few of these attractions here, but it was nice to kind of like elevate the other parts of the park as well. So I think that's a really cool part of Bob Weiss's Imagineering legacy. And and honestly, I feel like he is super important to where we're at now when we look at the types of expansions that have just been announced. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's it's so weird. Disney fans, <laughs> specifically Parks fans, are so weird. Like, what do you want? Because nothing makes them happy. You have, oh, uh, there's too many IPs in the parks, bleh. But it's like, oh, I want as immersive as possible. It's like, okay, so if you want something immersive, you have to be extremely focused on right. like a specific place that you can really flesh out in great detail. And that's, you know, your fictional places that you've seen, like your Galaxy's Edges and your Avengers campuses and your Zootopias, believe it or not, you know? Right. And so... Uh, you know, when as we move forward, I think I think the Bob Weiss effect is is going to become stronger and stronger as every single edition becomes something that is total immersion and not just like oh, it's a fantasy land where you know it's kind of piecemeal some different things that you're familiar with. Sure, um, it's 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 like Disneyland's already immersive, but those like IP specific lands are just another step forward. And I think, I think we have Bob Weiss to thank for that, but I'm with you on Bob Iger. Uh, he took Disney from entertainment conglomerate to world domination. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'll talk more about that in the next uh, matchup, but Hey, for one versus eight, I, I did not have a super easy time making that decision. So totally. Thanks for all you do, Bob Weiss. We hope that you bring VR and escape rooms to us sometime <laughs> soon. Our next matchup is number four, Bob Parr, which is Mr. Incredible's alter ego, uh, going up against number five, Robert Bob Stevenson, who was a, an accomplished director of many Disney live action films, uh, end of the 50s, early 60s. <laughs> so... um talk about bob parr let's do it uh i mean we we all kind of know him he's mr incredible he spends the first movie kind of going through like a midlife crisis where he's uh, working in an office building and he's a dad but he was this superhero who led this really cool life before and maybe he's having difficulty like um you know letting that go yeah. kind of like the definition of a midlife crisis yeah uh, in the second movie, Bob Parr is a jealous guy whose wife has gone on to do the work and he's kind of trying to fulfill that like masculine male breadwinner role and is having a little bit of a difficult time like <laughs> playing playing the caretaker for his children. Slightly. Uh, to say the least. Uh, Bob Parr is a big boy. A big boy. <laughs> Very big boy. Big upper body, small lower body, um, big head. Huge. I think it's important to talk about how these Bobs look because I don't know about you, but like when I picture someone named Bob, I picture someone looking a certain way. Am I alone yeah. in that? No, no. And 
all of these bobs kind of look the same. Well, okay, so like I I feel like Bob Stevenson is like the the Bob like physically he's bald and skinny like that and kind of old that's what i think of when i think of someone named bob Uh, okay love the name robert because it can be employed in any number of ways you can be a rob you can be a robbie you can be a robert you can be a robin Mm -hmm. you can be a bob you can be a bobby like there's so many things and so at what point in your life do you give up robbie and you start being bob and bob well, I could tell you actually, because my brother's name is Robbie. Okay, has he, he gone uh, by Bob yet? He went by Bob. I want to say in like middle school, and it was like a joke. Like he went by Bob as a joke with his friends, uh, and so that was just like a phase in his life. So between the ages of ten and thirteen, uh, I don't think he's ever gone by it since. <laughs> And it's like um, it, the most generic name you can think of yes. when you're a kid. It's like, oh, what should I name this thing? Oh, we'll call it Bob. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so with that super generic name comes like a super generic looking person. Sure. I guess. You're right. Yeah. 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 And so uh, in addition to to the way uh, Robert Stevenson, Bob Stevenson looks uh, very accomplished as a director. Disney was not always the powerhouse studio that it is today. It has gone through high highs and very low lows. And Bob Stevenson was like the king of live action. Mm -hmm. And he directed some classic beloved Disney live action films like Old Yeller, (laughs) The Absent-Minded Professor. That's where we get our flubber from right there. That darn cat. Oh, Herbie man. the Love Bug, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, which I hope to talk about on a bracket very soon. Uh, Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Yeah. <laughs> Little icing on the cake. Bob Stevenson also directed a few episodes of Zorro and 26 episodes of Disneyland, the TV series. Oh. But of course, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. The yeah. thing he is most known for doing is directing Mary Poppins. Totally. And like Mary Poppins, not even. I mean, I'm I'm biased towards Disney, but I also watch a lot of things that aren't Disney. Yeah. Mary Poppins is one of the greatest movies ever made. Right. Yep. Absolutely. So um, I think Bob has earned his place on this bracket. Um, looks like a Bob and has done a lot for the Walt Disney Company. Bob Parr, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> he's got a couple of good Incredibles movies under his belt, but uh, I'm going to have to go with... With Bob Stevenson, just for the the physical depiction of Bob, as well as um, giving us some very iconic Disney stories. It's funny because there's like tropes of Bob. There's like Bob Stevenson Bobs, which are like the the bald, semi-stoic looking kind of Bobs. But then there's also like the Bob Par Bobs, which is like ex-football player played in college until he tore his ACL and he would have gone pro had it not been for that. You know, like that's the other Bob that I see in my mind. So these these two and basically everybody else on this list fit into one of those for me. So I I agree that uh, Bob Parr uh, is a phenomenal like physical specimen Bob. Uh, but he, yes, you're right. He only has the two movies Uh, He kind of, those two movies are able to depict him very well, though. And I'm glad that, like, 
we see those two sides of him. Like he's always struggling with the idea that he's no longer needed or famous or in the spotlight, right? Like that's that's who he is. And in the first movie, it's that he can't do these hero things and he has a den with all of his accolades up on the wall and, and newspaper clippings and posters. And then in the second movie, he can't let his wife take the credit and have all the shine and he and him be the the person staying back. And so I appreciate that consistency in the Bob character because sometimes in these sequels, like who knows, you might get a, a mater who's now a, a spy in a foreign country, you know, and that just is not even within the character. So I appreciate Bob Parr, appreciate what he does for the Pixar lineup. Uh, I'm really excited to continue to talk about Bob Parr in some future episodes coming up. But you're right. Bob Stevenson has done a ton of the classics and all this live action stuff. Like that's where Disney was making its money while the animation was struggling. So if Bob Stevenson during the 50s, 60s and 70s didn't produce the big hits as he did and produce the Disneyland television show, which made the money to go into the parks, there's a lot of things that it could have crumbled right down to the ground. So Bob has his hands on quite a bit of the legacy of the Disney company. I agree with you. Stevenson is moving on to the final four. All right, let's talk about the next part of this bracket. Number two, Bobby Bob Gurr, uh, automotive specialist versus Bob Cratchit, our, our boy from Charles Dickens stuff. Uh, Bob Gurr is the Imagineer that comes to mind when I hear Imagineering. And maybe it's just because he's so personable. He's still, he's still alive. God bless him. God bless Bob Gurr. He's still alive. He's hanging in there. And he's the most like personal, outgoing, kind of wacky dude still. And I've like, within the last couple of years, he's done a ton of podcast interviews with a bunch of random podcasts that I listen to. And it's just always fun to hear him tell stories. Uh, Bob Gurr joined Walt Disney uh, Imagineering at the time it was Wet Enterprises. Uh, in the 50s and immediately got to work on helping with the ride vehicles of Disneyland. Most famously, he designed the miniature cars for Autopia. And there's a ton of footage of him driving these little go-kart fiberglass things around. <laughs> and, they, and they haven't changed they, since. They have not. <laughs> They're still kicking it. <laughs> Just like him. The, the cars and Bob is kicking it. Um, and then he basically designed anything that moved at Disneyland from then forward until his retirement. So we're talking the flying saucers, another idea that was attempted. Uh, Only the, Bob. The antique Only cars, Bob. the double-decker buses of Main Street USA, the Magic Skyway, uh, which appeared at the 64-65 World's Fair in New York, which then influenced the people mover at the park later on. Uh, and then he was also the designer of the mechanical worker workings of... Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. Mr. Mr. Lincoln. Lincoln. Thank you, Bob Gurr. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And so after that, he left and he had his own company, Gurr Design, and essentially just helped as an agency with parks and movie sets and things all around the world. This guy is just really good at figuring it out. 
And the most impressive part is that he didn't have like a background in engineering or anything. He was just like really good at figuring things out uh, and just making them happen. It's such a bizarre thing. He studied industrial design, but not mechanical, electrical engine, none of that. He just figured it out. Um, oh, and I'd be behooved to not say that he also was Mr. Monorail himself. So anything that moves at the park, Bob probably had his hands on it. Uh, and yeah, he has a great social presence. You should go follow him. He's forever selling autographed things. Uh, Chris and I have a couple things ourselves. So check him out. Yeah, uh, I got a people mover and a haunted mansion Bobger autograph poster. His autographs are not hard to come by, but they're still fun to get. They're you so know? fun to get. They're He's so not going to be around forever, people. Right. <laughs> and if you go on Wikipedia, Bob Gurr has a Wikipedia page, and his picture is like classic Bob. He, It's kind of blurry, and it's like someone snapped a picture and he wasn't paying attention. Wearing a Hawaiian shirt and a lei. It's, it's just, it is art. <laughs> art he also he also famously has a tiki drink concoction that he will consume during some of these like podcasts or talks and like he'll do the whole like mixology thing with people so he would fit in very well if we know anybody that has some pull on this podcast and we want to get bobby Gurr as a guest host he could be our the official uh, sponsor of the spoonful of sugar portion of the show all right now it's talking about Bob Cratchit, who is famously in A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Uh, Disney-wise, he's in A Christmas Carol that is the one with Jim Carrey, as well as portrayed by Kermit the Frog in The Muppets Christmas Carol. <laughs> so so uh, when we're talking about Bob tropes, none of neither of those necessarily fit uh, for me, but whatever. So... Uh, we know the story. Everybody knows the story. Dad to Tiny Tim. All he wants is a day off. He's really kind. Uh, he holds a roast session of Ebenezer in his living room and that Ebenezer sees when they're playing charades. Uh, it's, it's Bob. He's just kind of the everyday dude. Fortunately, this everyday dude who's in a Muppet movie and a really creepy, scary uh, <laughs> Disney animated movie is up against the goat of transportation, baby. And you're not going to take down Bobby Gurr in the first round. Bobby Gurr is moving on for me. Uh, Bob Cratchit. <laughs> I have one note on Bob Cratchit. Crazy sideburns in a top hat also is Kermit. <laughs> um, Bob Cratchit is a very forgettable human being. Yeah. And like, to be honest, that's like pretty Bob. That's a pretty Bob thing to be. Yeah. Um, but this is best Disney Bob, not most realistic depiction of a human named Bob. Uh, and Bob Gurr is an icon. Yep. So I am also going to advance Bob Gurr. All right. So we've got our last Bob matchup of the first round. It's number three, Bob Shervin versus number six, the big cheese himself, <laughs> Bobby Chapek. So Bob Sherman, uh, Portrayed by B.J. Novak in uh, Saving Mr. Banks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Bob Sherman is one half of the Sherman Brothers songwriting team that blessed our ears and has blessed and continues to bless 
generations of human beings on planet Earth may be the most played one of the definitely one of the most played, maybe the most played artist in the history of the human existence because he wrote it's a small world <laughs> and it's a small world plays on a loop in five places around the globe yep nonstop nonstop so sherman brothers wrote some some solid parks hits like it's a small world tiki room great big beautiful tomorrow from uh, carousel progress and of course miracles from, from molecules. molecules so round us everywhere the earth, the sea, and the air. Like, that is perfect. Sherman Brothers, like, that little sample right there. It's got, a, it's got like, a little, almost, like, military-style, mm -hmm. like, um... March. Efficiency. It's, like, efficient. It's efficient lyrics. Yes, yes, yes. There's yes. not a lot of, like, fluff going on. It's not overly poetic. Mm -mm. They, they know exactly how many words to put in the song to, to make it hit exactly what it needs to hit that makes it so easy to memorize and yeah. so easy to sing along to and like that is just a gift that people don't have anymore right so i love that about the sherman brothers uh they contributed of course to many disney movies once again mary poppins They've also done work on The Jungle Book, The Aristocats, and Winnie the Pooh. Yep. So uh, creators of, of many an iconic Disney song. Thomas O'Malley. <laughs> O'Malley the alley cat. Um, yeah, I mean, the Sherman Brothers weren't trailblazers or anything. You no. know, like there, there are people writing good songs for Disney before and you know, there's people writing good songs for Disney after too. I mean, Lin Manuel, yeah. Bob Sherman, that same club. Same. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing hits like a Sherman song. It's just, it's so pure, so straightforward. Um, Bob Sherman's nickname is Moose. I don't really know where that comes yeah, from. Yeah, I didn't look into that either, but I saw that. Moose Sherman. Uh, oh, Bob's going up against Bob Chapek. I got another bald man. Another bald uh, man. Bob Chapek. So I love Bob Sherman. Like, I think he has contributed so much to Disney. But I'm going to read you Bob Chapek's history. Oh, no. And, and tell me this is not, like, the perfect human being named Bob. <laughs> Bob, Bob, Bob was born in Indiana. <laughs> and, and, and we have listeners of this podcast from Indiana. Yes. Uh, so shout out to uh, our Indiana listeners. Bob comes from the ketchup industry. Oh, <laughs> he, he was uh, in brand management at Heinz before coming to Disney. Um, so, so when Bob eventually came to Disney, he was the director of marketing for Buena Vista Home Entertainment. This is, this is in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and, and kind of like became a Disney golden boy for quote, Bringing Disney into the digital age by coordinating Disney's release of properties on DVD and Blu-ray. <laughs> great job, Bob. Thanks, Bob. No one else, no one else would have been able to do that, Thanks, Bob. Bob. That was a great idea. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, that was a total cluster cuss anyway, yeah. because you couldn't get anything on DVD and right. it was terrible. And they had the vault thing and it's a signature. It was awful. It was awful. So it's basically like, 
Bob caves to the inevitable demise of VHS tapes. Yep. Genius. Bob's <laughs> a genius. Uh, so basically, Bob was in the right place at the right time. He ended up being appointed the president of consumer products in 2011, where his big thing was toys. He saw that toy money with the new acquisitions of Marvel and Star Wars. He arranged a bunch of big money deals with companies like Hasbro to license the intellectual properties. Something happens to business people when they realize how much money is in toys. Yeah. And it makes them make bad creative decisions. Hence, three Cars movies. <laughs> Hence, 10 Star Wars movies that no one needs. Yeah. It's all about that toy money. And Bob Chapek, that's at the forefront of his brain at all times. So in 2014, Bob Chapek sets up... This sounds made up. It sounds made up. He set up Disney Academy. What? Which was a suite of numerous tablet and smartphone apps designed to give children high-quality learning games. Oh, man. All right, Bob. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that uh, non-contribution. <laughs> uh, then, then, he, then he became president of the parks in 2015, because of course. Yeah, like, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, and he inherited all the good projects. Uh, he inherited Galaxy's Edge. Everything basically was, was already underway. And so... The big projects that started and finished under JPEG was like P Pixar Pier, Toy Story Land at Hollywood Studios, and like the proposed Epcot overhaul, which is all pretty basic stuff. Yep. In 2019, Bob arranged a deal with Target to put Disney stores inside of Target mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah, I've never like, seen that before. They were like but... little pods, and they rolled them out to a very select few of them, but one of them was in San Jose. Uh, and I went and it's, you know how um, you would know it when you saw it, but it's like take like Target's dollar section. That's kind of just like closed off and themed yeah. to whatever that season is. It's that right. same concept, just smack dab in the middle of the store. It's like having its own Disney section as opposed to right. like just it being sprinkled also in the toys. It's like, here's all of your Disney stuff. And with, and with that stellar resume, Bob Chapek was named CEO of Disney. Thanks, Bob. Good job, Bob. Thanks, Bob. You done, you done it. <laughs> and, and now who knows what's next for Bob Chapek. But um, I will tell you this. Bob Sherman has done a lot for the Disney company, but that is the resume of a person named Bob. <laughs> He's just kind of there, and he's bald. So I'm advancing Bob Chapek over Bob Sherman. Well, it's funny because Bob Sherman was the Bob of the Sherman brothers. Like, Richard Sherman was the one that was, like, the talker and the, the face of the duo, and Bob kind of always was in the background. Um, he... He had gone to war and got shot and his his leg never fully recovered. So he was always kind of insecure about that. Uh, and that led to a lot of the reason why he kind of fade to the background. Um, but he did. He lived a, a long life, passed away in 2012. Um, and you brought up all the the bangers that these 
brothers put out for everybody. Uh, there are also some misses, though. There are also some misses, a lot of misses, actually. Um, but we, you didn't even bring up the greatest song that they wrote. The greatest song ever to be come out of the Sherman Brothers' wonderful minds comes from a movie called The Monkey's Uncle. And they wrote a song called The Monkey's Uncle that was sung by Miss Disney herself, Annette Funicello, and accompanied by the Beach Boys. The most 1965 song I've ever heard in my life. I have a Sherman Brothers like best hits vinyl. This is track one. They always know time. They say, let's hop into it. Beach Boys, Annette, Sherman Brothers. This is how you start an album. And it is phenomenal. Let me just uh, let me read a couple of the lyrics here for you, because, Chris, you brought up the simplicity. They don't mess around. It's it's a lot of just straightforwardness that comes out of the minds of the Sherman brothers and Bob Sherman. And the monkey's uncle is no exception to that. I, I feel like I know it, but I can't think of it right now. Yeah. Yeah. She loves the monkey's uncle. Yeah. Yeah. That yep, she loves the yep. monkey's uncle. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, she I loves know the monkey's now. uncle, and the monkey's uncle's ate for me. <laughs> I I've never seen this movie, so I have no idea what this is even about. But here's the uh, here's the the first verse. Maybe it'll it'll ch- clue us into what this movie's about. Uh, let the whole let the whole world start to put him down. She loves the monkey's uncle. We could do at this if you want to. Feel free to chime in. Jump did in someone do that? Did someone do this on Disney Mania? I would. I think not someone did this on surprised. Disney Mania. I would not be surprised. Feels like the circus came to town. She loves the monkey's uncle. It's as much fun as a jungle gym. Every time that I'm with him, I love the monkey's uncle and the monkey's uncles ate for me. Ate for me. <laughs> it's a slap. It's an absolute slap. So it was on Disney Mania Four by Devo Two Point Oh. Oh no! <laughs> oh mm-hmm. no! Wow, we really robbed. Let's talk about Miss the Dance. Yikes. Um. So yes, I I love the the Bob Sherman vibe that came out of the Sherman Brothers. Very happy, upbeat, straightforward. You get you get the story right away. Uh, you think Mary Poppins and that and all of the iconic songs in Mary Poppins and how well they help to explain either the situation or just move the plot along. Uh, I always think of Feed the Birds, beautiful song that is kind of perfectly placed in the movie in which all this realization is coming to fruition for the Banks kids, Mary and Bert and uh, Mr. Banks himself. Uh, up against Chapek, I mean, here's the thing though about about my boy Bobby C is that Bobby I took his power away from him when the pandemic started because no one trusted Bobby Z. I don't know how like good of a Disney person you can be when the when <laughs> the guy comes out of retirement to take your power back from you and you're literally just like, all right, I guess so. I I I will fade to the background like a Bob. That's not the Disney way for somebody to just fade to the back or not make great decisions. So that's why I really want to move Sherman along. But if there's something that you can tell me to redeem JPEG having 
being put into timeout at the kids table during the pandemic and let me hear it they they botched the bob baton handoff <laughs> so it was a, it was a bob to bob transition <laughs> was supposed to be you don't even you you just keep calling him bob you don't even have to change how you address the man i know they messed it up somehow no we can advance bob sherman <laughs> uh I'm, I'm cool with that okay. i i there's there's very little to redeeming qualities bob chapek i think Chapek and Weiss need to put their heads together, though. I think I think Chapek needs to kind of like there's got yeah lean lean on his counsel a little bit more than maybe Bob Iger was. He was kind of a shark, Bob Iger. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and I think Chapek would benefit maybe more from some yeah teamwork. Yeah. Uh, so we'll go ahead and advance Bob Sherman to the final four. I'm cool with that. Uh, let's head back to the top of the bracket where we've got Bob Iger versus Bob Stevenson. Um, yeah, like I said, Bob Iger is a, a shark. I mean, Bob, Bob Iger is a businessman. He started out as a PA at ABC, yep. like just a guy going on food runs, grabbing people's coffee and just rose his way through the ranks internally. Disney bought ABC. He was head of ABC. And then, then they grabbed him from there to, to be, uh, Vice President and COO, and then eventually, yeah, the weird Michael Eisner takeover thing happened. So, yeah, Bob Iger became CEO in 2005. Um, you mentioned all the acquisitions. Pixar in 2006 for $7.4 billion. Marvel, he acquired in 2009 for $4 billion, and Lucasfilm in 2012 for $4 billion. Like, that is... Pixar for seven point yeah. four billion, yeah. almost as much as Lucasfilm and Marvel combined. Like that to me, is is I don't want to say Pixar is overpriced there, but I mean that was like peak Pixar to me. I mean they had they didn't have a dud in the lineup in two thousand six. No, for sure. But if you think about that return in investment for Disney, they've made seven point nine or whatever billion back a thousandfold. From Pixar, from merchandising of Pixar, from that's that's where it really comes in for them is that they. I think it's also the technology and the personnel yes. as well that that they're. Yeah. Help. Oh yeah. They they wanted to take Lasseter and like implement him in Walt Disney Animation and like right. They wanted so, him back. Um, I I feel like Pixar probably degraded in quality a little bit, but Walt Disney Animation exponentially increased in quality to the point where they're about equal. Um, yeah, I mean, Marvel was basically just comics and like corny action movies in 2009. I mean, that was mm -hmm. an incredible investment. Lucasfilm, I'm, I'm sorry, jury's out on Lucasfilm for me still. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's made, it's made a lot of money. Like, as a business, so, yeah. it's a business move. Brilliant. Um, the quality of the product, I'm not sold. Uh, and of course, the big one was Fox in 2018 for $71.3 billion. Bob Iger, the content conquistador, yeah. the content conqueror. Absolutely. This man set out to get everything, everything that he wanted. And I mean, that kind of like, it makes sense because he came up in TV. So he kind of realized that this like consolidation of brands and assets and media 
is is the future and you need to acquire anything that you can. Yeah. And so he went out and did that. And you mentioned Bob Iger is a, a very creative person. And I agree that he's creative, but I don't know that he's creative in the same way that like Bob Weiss is creative. Like I wouldn't trust Bob Iger to like conceive Disney parks attractions. Oh no, no, no. no or no. like paint me a picture. He's like, uh, he's like a big picture thinker yes. and like uh, has smart strategy, like creative strategy yes. kind of yeah. like that's exactly brain who he is. inner work. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's mergers and stuff. Like that. <laughs> he's, he, he's a, yeah, Bob, the businessman. Yes. Um, and, and Bob's going up against, um, Bob Stevenson, who is a solid Bob and Bob Stevenson looks a lot like a Bob. Hey, Bob Iger looks a lot like a Bob too. He's not completely bald, but he's sort of bald and he makes the same face all the time, Bob Iger. <laughs> he's his his smile is like stuck. It's like his it's like he just like retracts his lips yes. and it just like yes. like that's the Bob Iger face. He's so good at speaking. He's great on camera. So good. And like it's weird. He's not I wouldn't say Bob Iger's an attractive man, but like he's great on camera. It's interesting. He's slick. He's slick, he's, he's smooth, yeah. he's confident. He's got it. And and like when he talks, you believe whatever he says. Everything. Everything. <laughs> like, it's like this is the, the most eloquent man I've ever heard speak. Oh, we're ever. getting a new hotel in downtown Disney. Oh, perfect. I believe it. I believe it, Bob Iger. Thank you for letting us know. Um, I listened to the intro, the prologue to Bob Iger's book. Yeah. I did not I did not go ahead and read the whole thing, but I listened to the prologue and it was narrated by Bob Iger. And I listened to it before bed like three nights in a row. And it, it, I slept like a baby that night. <laughs> it was great. Um, yeah, I got Bob Iger going to the finals. Come on. Yeah, I mean, man, I really, really want to make a case for Bob Stevenson being on the ground floor of the kind of Disney revival in the 50s and 60s, being that they needed live action to work. He was there for that reason and he made it all work mary pop not all but he made a lot of it work mary poppins the first two love bug movies like we know herbie because of how bob directed those herbie movies um and that's huge because back then herbie was herbie was crazy popular and it like <laughs> herbie was in a parade like crazy popular and uh, just go watch the movies now. They're on Disney Plus. They're they're so kitschy and dumb and phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, the Disneyland TV show, like huge. If the Disneyland TV show doesn't happen or doesn't land with the public, then parks don't get made. Then you don't have Disneyland. Uh, that was a place where they were previewing a lot of stuff to show the public to get the public's like buy-in on it before they went ahead and built the park or wanted to build the park. Uh, it was an investment in by ABC in order to raise the funds. Like that's huge. It's what we know today. And Bob was a big part of it. Was he the one that was like, we need a TV show and we need to do this, like leading the way? No, but he played that Bob part, which was sitting in the director's chair, making the sh calling the shots, uh, making Walt, reread lines over and over again because Walt has <laughs> such a hard time talking on camera. Uh it's it's great. So I mean I really just like that nostalgic era of Disney 
for a time that I was not alive in this company's existence. Uh, but I, I don't know that I'm going to put up a huge fight because without Bob Iger, then I don't know that we know Disney as it is today. Like it, it's, it's hard to lead this company. We've, we've seen how hard it is to lead this company over and over again. And he did it so well uh, with his creative thinking. Uh, he's not out here being like Cars Land is the Cars Land is the land. That was probably Bobby Weiss, but he empowered Bobby Weiss to do it. You know, yeah. So that that makes him a great Disney figure to to take that initiative and make it happen. And yes, he looks like his name is probably Bob. So I'll be I'll agree with you, Chris. Bob Iger can move on to the the finals here. Uh, and let's go back down to talk about Bob Gurr versus Bob Sherman. Oh, baby. Solid. This is a, a solid powerhouse Bob's here. Talked a ton about both of them already. The thing that, oh man, it's tough. Both of these together are like Disney. You got the parks Bob. You got the, the television film Bob, right, with Sherman and Gurr. And, you know, it, it, it's tough. This is tough. Like, do I want to go with, like, the musical nostalgia play? Do I want to go with the one that advanced what we know as park life today as far as attractions go? Like, we didn't even mention the the Omnimover system. Like, Bob Gurr out here just, like, creating systems that never existed before. Uh, Bob Sherman took a style from, like, Tin Cup Alley or whatever that his that his father worked in and just made it mainstream and applicable for everyone to listen to. I'm sure that you could overlay most a ton of Sherman songs and be like, it's the same song. They're just different lyrics, <laughs> you know. Uh, but what he did so well and what his brother Richard did so well is that they had to deal with Walt. And Walt didn't seem like the easiest person to like work creatively with. No. The fact that like he wanted a song for the children. And then try to overlay all of the national anthems and that didn't work. And he's like, got ah, back to, back to drawing board, come up with something else. And they're just like in a room, <laughs> like a song about uniting the world with chill. No, no other direction there, Walt. No other direction. So it takes a, a certain genius to to do that. And that's who they were. I mean, they're all three of these. Well, Richard, Bob Sherman and Bob Gear are all Disney legends. But what I think Ah, man, I'm going to go with Bob Sherman. I'm going to just I'm going to go with Bob Sherman. I think that the foundation for what we know as Disney, Disney music was really created with the Sherman brothers. Uh, I think that there were a ton of Imagineers and engineers that probably could have been a Bob Gurr type. Just Bob Gurr was the one hand chosen by, by Walt to do it. And, and he chose the Sherman brothers. And without them, we don't really know Disney music as we know it now. That musical format that Disney loves to to lean on was really brought about by by our Sherman brothers here. And so I think that Bob's play, the fact that he's a Bob in the background, he's the lesser of the the two Shermans as far as notoriety goes, very feels very Bob. I'm gonna go Bob Sherman here. <laughs> you know, I actually had Bob Gurr here. Um okay. I your thing is 101 Dalmatians. My thing apparently is Disney transportation because <laughs> yeah. it's like my favorite part about Disney parks and what I believe separates it from 
other parks. It's like total unnecessary, not even fun, but it makes it unique and exciting and it makes it have layers. Universal installs a little Hogwarts Express that goes like 200 yards from park to park. And I was like, oh, it's the best thing ever. It's like, dude, there's like eight things like that in Disneyland. It's yeah. it's better yeah. and had been done 50 years ago by Bob right. Gurr, right? I mean, yeah. this, this guy is a pioneer, not just for Disney, but for themed entertainment. He declared mm-hmm. himself the director of special vehicle development. That was his, his self-proclaimed title at Walt Disney Imagineering back in the day. I want to, I know that we're talking about Disney Bobs, but Bob did, did a couple projects outside of Disney too. He worked on a couple of other animatronics uh, for film, Godzilla and Jurassic Park. Those are yep. big, big ones. Huge. Um, also, Kyle, I don't know if you went to Vegas when you were like, a kid at any point, it's a lot further for you than it was for me growing up in Southern California. But the Treasure Island Hotel had this like pirate battle show they did out front. Right. Pirate ships sunk every night, a couple times a night, and had to come back up for the next show. Incredible. Steve Wynn, owner of the hotel, who did he hit up to help make that possible? Bobby G. Bob Gurr. He's a man. He can do anything. Bob Gurr is a jack of all trades. Um, like you said, Bob's not formally trained in engineering. He's just a guy that figured it out. You know, he's yeah. like a just a very resourceful a, grandfather figure, and like that is the, so Bob. He's the every to me. Bob. He's the every exactly. Bob. <laughs> he's a he's a Swiss Bobby knife. Uh, a Bob, a Bob. I don't know. Um, but yeah, um, and I think like his name's Bob Ger. Like yeah, two syllables, Bob. That's it. Yeah. Super yeah. like unassuming, just easy to remember, but also easy to forget. Like uh, very generic. I-, I like that he seems to have, he looks back at his time working with Disney fondly and a lot of creative type people like want to be known for things larger than the thing that maybe they're most known for. And Bob Gurr, like we said, he's still out here signing autographs, like doing yeah. flash sales on his website, like two for one special Bob Gurr attraction poster <laughs> autographs. Like um, totally. he's he's just a treasure and a Disney legend. So I had Bob Gurr. I don't know if any of that's enough to change your mind. You know, you you folded for me. I'll fold for you. We'll move we'll move Gurr along here so that we have that big one two Bob Bob matchup. It is Bob Iger versus Bob Gurr. When I think of Disney. I think that I imagine the creative geniuses that have built this company as well as maintained it. I think that when I think Disney, it's the animators, it's the imagineers, it's the ones that were told this is an idea and made it happen somehow and made it happen in a way that was so ahead of its time that we still talk and celebrate it, talk about and celebrate it today. We could probably do the same about Bob Iger in 20 years and think about the lands that he led to be created, the, the parks that he was a part of to, that got done. But at the very end of the day, 
the best Disney Bob Chris is the transportation king himself. <laughs> it is Bobbeth Gurr. Because these are the people that bring the magic to Disney. These are the ones that are told by their leaders that they have this idea, make it happen, and they do it in ways that blow our common people minds. I'm going with Bob Gurr. Kyle, there's no I in Bob Gurr, but there is an I in Bob Iger. I 100% agree with you. Um, I was going to make the exact same argument that Disney is a, a massive company that is built on the backs of hardworking people. And not that Bob Iger is not a hardworking person. He works just as hard or works yep. just as hard as anyone else. But I love the spirit of collaboration, the spirit of innovation, pushing boundaries and technology and art. And Bob Gurr captures that perfectly. So we have our best Disney Bob. It's Bob Gurr, like we do every time. Let's clap it out. The Bob Father has the, been crowned. The wow. Bob Father. And I'm so happy it came from somebody that uh, has a background in the parks. I think that was going to be obvious as we broke this down, that the winner would have some sort of hand in the parks when it comes to to this podcast, you and I, and how much we love talking about the parks. So we hope that you all enjoyed, if you stuck around, uh, that discussion about Disney Bobs. When you thought we were going to be talking about the best guest hosts, we would never do that to you. We love you guys, and we hope that you guys uh, you know, write in. Write in and, and become one of those guest hosts. Uh, anyone can do it. Literally, no expertise is needed. We are that We've made that very obvious in some of our discussions that no expertise is needed. So please do. We, we would love to hear from you. All right, folks. Well, you know how to reach us. Do you have opinions on this Disney Bob bracket? <laughs> Do you agree with us? Are you mad? Email us at mousemaddispodcast.gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at mousemaddispod. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Discord. All of those are linked in the description of this podcast. Until next Monday for a regularly scheduled Mouse Madness episode. I'm going to hit you with some bars. They going to tell the story. It was different for me. Bob's playing. Bob's playing. I hold back sometimes. I won't. Yo. <laughs> Yo. Yo. <laughs>